lattice that shows it, and that's what we're going to be starting to watch on Wednesday nights for the next eight weeks, starting this Wednesday. If you can come out to that, we'll be starting at 6.30 p.m. It lasts about 45 minutes each episode. If you want to come early, we're also going to have a pizza fundraiser, and there is an announcement in your bulletin regarding that pizza dessert for a donation. We'd love to have you in the fellowship with you. We're going to have plenty of room here so you can spread out. And watch this. Oh, was I on before? Man, all right. Already messing up. But if you would, would you take out your bulletin? I want to go over a couple quick announcements. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I am so excited to worship and fellowship with you today. It's going to be great. All right, announcements. Other than, other than the chosen starting April 7th here at 630 uh, I also want to tell you about a new ministry that we're getting ready to start called Gracious Gifts. And what we're going to be doing with that is we're going to start a, a Facebook page and a group where you can donate whatever things that you have no need for to people that need something. Or somebody can come on that group and actually request something. Maybe they're in need of a bed. Uh, Russ Robinson just called me up yesterday and he said, hey, is there anybody that needs a hospital bed in the church? I'd love to give that to them. It, it, it raises the head. That's about all that it does. So if you need a hospital bed or are looking at, see me right away and I'll get in touch with Russ. But that's what we want to do. We want to pass on these gifts for free and, and give them uh, to people in need. I also have a letter here from Abigail. As you know, that's one of the charities that we are partnering with that we want to support as the church of God, right? As the body of Christ, we want to be in support of these other amazing ministries in our, in our community and around the world. So this is a, a, a card that they sent, and they said, thank you so much for your generous donation of diapers to our ministry. The larger size that you donated were what was most needed and will be a blessing to our clients and their new babies. And they had love Abigail Pregnancy Service. So uh, thank you guys for donating money and for donating the supplies to Abigail. This is a, this is a wonderful ministry, and we want to support it. And there's lots of wonderful ministries that we can support. And that's what we need to be focused on, right? Focused not on in here, but focused on out there, being a light in the darkness, right? All right. If you have a kid, and man, last week we had 18 kids here. Today, today we're a little bit down. But if you have a kid and you would like to um, drop them off, we're going to have a kids' night this Saturday from 4 to 9 p.m. Kids' night this Saturday from 4 to 9 p.m. You drop them off. We're going to play with them. We're going to play hide-and-go-seek, sardines, and a bunch of different things. And then you can go have a meal with your spouse or just take a nap or do whatever you need to uh, if you want to take advantage of that, please send me a text and let me know about that. And uh, if you want to help be a part of watching the kids, maybe you can throw a dodgeball at them or something like that, uh, let me know that as well. But um, those are the announcements that I have. I, I want to give a big thank you to Erin Kennard. I just saw her somewhere. Erin, thank you for the awesome arrangement. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that, but she did that. And Troy... Where are you at, Troy? Troy, thank you for the flowers that you donated. You can smell them up here. I don't know if you can smell them back there, but you can definitely smell them up here, and we're appreciative of that. But um, I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we're going to get started with praise and worship. Um, Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, today's the day. Lord, this is, this is the crux of Christianity. This is what seals it all, Lord, and we give you praise. Father, we give you praise for what you did on the cross and dying for our sins, Lord. We see the weight of that, the weight that you bore, the weight that you are willing to, bore, to bear. Father, we just give you all praise. Lord, I pray that this time, these next few moments, that we would sing praises to you, that our hearts would just be filled with joy, and that we would be a blessing to you, Lord, for you alone are worthy. Lord, I pray that you'd be with our praise team, that you'd speak through them, speak through the songs that they have chosen, and that you'd speak directly into our hearts. Lord, I pray for anybody else that might be up here praying that you'd speak through them as well. And Father, we're most excited to hear from your word. Lord, let it resound in our hearts. Lord, let us have eyes to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, 
and soft hearts. Lord, change us, transform us to look more like you. Father, use your church. Lord, I pray that you would bless the other churches that are meeting together today in your name, that you would be with them, that you would light them on fire, Lord, and that they be a witness to you in this dark world. Father, thank you for the calling. Thank you for the great commission. Help us to be a people group that carries that out. He is risen. He is alive. He comes to offer peace and grace that we don't deserve. Hallelujah. He is alive.
All right, that bulletin you got with the scripture passage, you can just throw that away, all right? Uh, we're not going to be doing that. My wife, I'm, I'm not blaming you, I'm thanking you. Because my wife, uh, we have this deal that I don't ask her or she does not tell me the songs that she's going to sing because we, we want God to just put us on the same page and not, you know, us put each other on the same page. So I asked her, though, I'm like, uh, I had the sermon done, and I'm like, hey, what songs are you singing? And this was yesterday around lunchtime or somewhere around during the day. And she's like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I'm like, come on, the, the sermon's done. It's done. It's, I'm ready to go. And she's like, God could change it. And I'm like, I knew right then and there, I knew right then and there God was going to change it. And uh, later that evening, about 8 o'clock, um, we were at the church, 7, seven 8 o'clock, doing some things. And, and God just started laying something else on uh, my heart. And so... Um, so I feel a little rusty with this or a little less prepared than I normally like to be, but we serve a God, right, who enables, Amen. right? And I know that God will speak through his word. So we're going to be in Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. I want to look today at the resurrection and what it means for three things how it concerns dwelling, dominion, and dynasty. Those three things. What do I mean by those three things? Dwelling. This is the idea that God created us to actually dwell with us. If you think about it, that's a big theme in the Bible, throughout the Bible, right? God with us. That might sound strange to some of you, but think back to the garden, right? where mankind literally walked with God, had that face-to-face -face relationship. But then mankind rejects God, and the relationship was broken. And that sets in, in place a plan to redeem mankind, though. God puts that into motion. He pursues mankind, and pretty soon we have the nation of Israel. And in the nation of Israel, God's people there God establishes the tabernacle, and once again, God dwells with man through the tabernacle. God dwells with his people. What happens? The people rebel. Then Jesus comes, and his name is Emmanuel, right? Which means God with us. Jesus dies, ascends to heaven, but he says, there is one coming after me, one that will take my place, right? And the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of man. God dwells with us. Fast forward to the end, to the book of Revelation. There Christ makes everything new. And once again, God dwells with mankind. God with us. This is the story of the Bible. My friends, this is what you were created for, one of the reasons. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, this is what we're, we're talking about. Dwelling in the presence of God. Not just dwelling. We don't just stop there, though. Dwelling leads to dominion. Dominion is in there is a purpose behind your life. There is a very real purpose to your life that is greater than anything in this world. And I'll talk about it more. But I think we all sense this, don't we? We all sense that there has got to be something more to this life. It feels thin. It feels hollow. It doesn't satisfy. 
So dwelling with God leads to, to dominion where we realize that God has a purpose for our life. Some of us will be called to the ends of the earth. Some of us will be called to our workplace to give God glory through everything that we do and be witnesses there. And then lastly, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we, we talk about belonging to a dynasty or eternity. There is eternity in mind. God has saved us to himself. And our future is not going to be boring, my friends. We are not going to be in heaven on some cloud playing some harp. We will be spending eternity with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords, with Jesus forever in increasing joy. Amen? I hope that there's some people in here today that are like, oh my gosh, it's, it's Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday, and I couldn't be more bored. I hope there's some people in here that hear what God has for them because I spent a long time there. If you can't wait to get out of here, I can't wait for God to speak to you. Amen? So there are some things that we need to talk about in, in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are so many ways to look at the resurrection. We could look at the resurrection, what the resurrection has done, right? 2,000 years since Christ was resurrected, and the world has 2.5 billion Christians, 2.5 billion people who claim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those are impressive numbers for a homeless man from Galilee, Right? Those are impressive numbers. This is some pretty amazing marketing plan that must have been put into place to achieve that. A guy with no money, with a ragtag group of followers, a guy who was executed, capital punishment. The Roman authorities had him executed. And look at that today. But I don't want to look at that today. I want to look at underneath all of that and talk about some truths that, that if you don't know Christ, it, it might explain some things to you. So here's the passage, Luke 24, 1 through 12. Would you get again in a posture that gives him glory, whether that's standing, whether that's kneeling, whether that's just bowing your hearts as we read, this, as we read his word? Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But very early on Sunday morning, the, woman, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Now, one of the things that you come to every time this year is that there are people who do not want to believe in the resurrection, right? 
People who do not want to believe in Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's just a good person. He was just a good person. But he did not rise from the dead. In order to not believe in the resurrection, you have to believe in some pretty out there, I might say wonky, theories about what happened here. Not because there are so many Christians in the world, that really doesn't mean anything, but instead because there is so much historicity around the resurrection, tangible evidence of a resurrection that people don't want to believe. In order to do that, they have to disprove the resurrection. I think I've read the majority of the explanations of, of why Jesus didn't rise from the dead or, or what happened. And, and I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor, but I, I did not find one of them to be compelling. Not, not one. Let me quickly give you two. The first one is they forgot which tomb that they put him in. I kid you not, that is a, a theory out there. Another popular one is the swoon theory, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. This one says that Jesus didn't actually die. He just passed out, and when he was put into the tomb, he, he, he revived, woke up, and somehow, after being beaten, nailed to a cross, stabbed, somehow he managed to roll a large stone away and set himself free. Oh, and somehow he managed to get past all the guards Oh, and somehow he managed to make his way back to his disciples where somehow he emboldened them to die for the cause. That doesn't hold a lot of weight with me. I mean, there are papers written from historians that offer this as a legitimate theory all so that they do not have to worship Jesus as Lord. It's desperation. If you'd like to read, let me give you a book. Check out N.T. Wright's work, Resurrection of the Son of God, 850 pages of goodness. It gets into the historicity of the resurrection, the tangible evidence, and explains why by 351 A.D., 51% of the Roman Empire claimed Christ as Lord and this is all before Constantine. But I want to look at the spiritual side of the resurrection and how it ties to dwelling, dominion, and dynasty. Point number one, because Jesus was resurrected from the grave, then our dwelling with Christ is secure. Because Jesus was resurrected from the grave, then our dwelling with Christ is secure. This, out of everything that I'm going to say today, is the best News imaginable. And here's why. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has placed eternity into the hearts of man. Now, what this means for you and I is that we will live our whole lives longing for something that is not present. Longing for something that will satisfy us but will be just out of reach. For our entire life, it's like there's something just beyond our grasp and we can't go grab a hold of it right there in front of us. It's like, man, if I could just get this job or just get this promotion, that would be it. If this person would just fall in love with me, if I could just get them into my life, that would do it. For me, if I could just get that, or if I could just fix this, it's always something just out of reach. We can't get it, or if we get it, it doesn't satisfy, right? You can testify to that how you wanted this thing, dreamt about this thing, did everything you can, and you finally got that thing, and then you're on the next thing. It does not satisfy. You can't throw wealth, people, comfort, things, whatever into this chasm that is built into you. 
that speaks to eternity. You can't throw anything in it and expect it to fill that void. We try, but it's too big. Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, which is in northern Africa, said this, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it rests in You. Until you die to yourself, you'll always be trying to grasp that thing to fill that hole. Let me tell you the greatest barrier that you and I have to being where we were created to be and experiencing the peace of God is sin and rebellion against God. We blame everything else. This is, this is our society today. It's not our fault. It's our family's fault. It's our lack of money. It's where we were born. It's the color of our skin. Whatever problems that we have, though, the Bible is clear And I would say that your experience tells you this, testifies to this, but you let yourself down more than anyone else in your life. At least that's me. We're broken inside. And yet we look outside to place our blame. That brokenness inside, the Bible tells us, is sin and rebellion against Christ as King. Here's the cool thing. The resurrection has revealed that that barrier is gone. Amen Amen is right. That thing that keeps us out of what we were designed for, what our hearts are most desperate for, is gone by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The cross, the cross shows us the price of, the cost of our sin. The resurrection proves it seals that the bill was paid in full. Since Christ has been resurrection, the invitation to dwell with God has been restored. Let me stress this. Dwell with Him. Abide with Him. Our very first sermon series was what? The branch life, right? And that was all about learning how to abide with God, to be connected to God. The branches are connected to the vine. Apart from that, we can do nothing, right? It's about being connected with Christ. Here's what Christians don't get, though. When we talk about knowing Christ, we often think it's about knowing facts about Christ or details about Jesus. But that is not what the resurrection has secured. The cross and the resurrection has secured our ability to actually know Jesus. This is huge. This is huge. Of all the people groups in all all of human history, we should get this. We should understand this the most. We should understand the difference of knowing about someone compared to knowing someone. I grew up loving Michael Jordan. Still do. I watch videos about his family. I know about his high school. I know about his battles with his brother. I know about his dad, his mom, what they did. I watched him at North Carolina. I watched him get drafted by the Bulls. I watched his first season. I watched him when he get, got hurt. I watched his three championships. I watched him take time off after his father was killed. I heard the rumors that it was all related to his gambling problem. I know all about his gambling problem. I know how about how he returned and won three more championships. I know how he met his first wife. I know who his second wife is. I know about his kids. I know that he's a heck of a lot better than LeBron James. <laughs> Period. Amen? I loved watching the last dance, the, the last dance version that didn't have all the swearing. Let me be clear about that. But here's the thing. I know a lot about Michael Jordan. But I don't know Michael Jordan. It may feel to me 
that I do because I know so much, but I've never spent time with him. I've never talked with him. I don't know him. And my friends, that's some of you in here with Jesus. Maybe you grew up in the church and you can tell me all about Jesus, but do you know him? Do you abide with him? Do you dwell with him? That's the question that you have to ask yourself today. There's a lot of us, we think we know him, but we just don't. That's why sometimes as, as people who think they're Christians or, or as Christians, they think that, man, there's just something missing. There's just something I'm not getting with this whole Christianity thing. They study the Bible. They do their devotions, right? But honestly, it feels like a chore. Oh, i got to pray. Oh, i got to read the Bible. Oh, my gosh, it's so boring, right? I would say if that's you, there's a pretty good chance you just don't know him. And you need to. You need to. Don't just know about him. The resurrection, though, guarantees that you can know him, that it's possible to actually abide with God. My friends, that's what you're hungry for. That's what your soul longs for, to abide with him. That's what's oftentimes missing in our lives. That's why if you don't have that, this Christianity thing feels fake. I know there's some people in here that, that think that. You think preachers are just there for the money or whatever it is, man, and that this thing is just all fake. For many of you, that's why church doesn't work. That's why you left the church. That's why you only come on Christmas and Easter just when you have to, when you're made to. It's because you don't know him. How do I know that? Because I spent 20 years in that place being drugged to church, not wanting to go to church. And then all of a sudden, one day, I met him. And he changed my life. He turned it upside down, completely around. And there is nothing better. I'm not here to, to smack on you. I'm not here to... I'm just here because I want you to get it. I don't just want you to waste 20 years of your life missing it. I don't know if we do a good job in the church teaching people that. There's more. There's more to Christianity. There's so much more. It goes so deeper. It starts with knowing him. If, if you're not in that place, come talk to me. Get on our church YouTube Check out our Branch Life series back in November of, of 2020. That's what we talked about. Or spend time in his word, John 15. Read about the vine and the branches. You cannot bear fruit, true fruit that lasts if you're not connected to him. You can't. My friends, you have been created to dwell in the presence of God. And if you are not, there is going to be an ache in your soul. You will never be satisfied until that happens. My friends, the temple veil was torn in half so that we could dwell with God. It was a sign that we could dwell, that we could know Jesus. Now some of you might hear that and you say, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. I was talking to a young man who just got out of prison. And I invited him to church. And he said, you don't want me there. He began to tell me all the things about his life. You know what that is? That's pride. That's pride. Pride in that you are exalting your sinfulness to a point that is beyond the reach of God. Because, my friends, there is no such place. 
I mean, do you think that you can beyond, be beyond the God of the universe, the God who conquered sin, the God who conquered death and hell? Do you think you can be beyond him? Heck no. You ain't that good or you ain't that bad, whichever way you look at it. I'll play your game, though. Look at the Bible. Look at Moses, right? Moses, pretty big guy in the faith. A guy that definitely God talked to. God used to do amazing things, worked his power through him, right? There's a lot of stuff we can say about Moses. Moses killed a guy with his hands. He murdered someone with his hands. How do you stack up against that? What about David? David, a man, right, with a heart like God's, a man after God's own heart, a man who God used to do some pretty amazing things. Remember David and Goliath? The guy committed adultery, slept with another man's wife, got her pregnant, and then had the guy killed to cover it all up. How does what you do stack with that? And yet, there's two people who knew God, who experienced God's grace, right? It's pride if you think you're beyond that. My friends, you can't run that fast. You ain't that fast to run from God. Amen? You ain't that good. Your sins aren't beyond the God of the universe. God's light shines to the farthest, furthest depths of darkness, and he wants you to know him. He wants you to dwell with him. He wants you to invite him into his family. He's pursuing after you. Quit running. Embrace him. Confess your sins to him. Accept him as your Lord and Savior and give your life to him and spend the rest of the life, your life dwelling in his presence. That invitation is for you wayward persons in here. It was for me. I remember when he invited me in. It's for you too. Am I telling the truth? Is there anything that satisfies your soul for very long? Is there? C.S. Lewis said, I find it in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy. The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Dynasty. Eternity. Dwelling leads to dominion, though. Dominion is the understanding that God goes with us wherever we go. Listen to this. It's the belief that we've not just been saved from, but we've been saved for. Can I repeat that? It's a belief that we've not just been saved from, but we've been saved for. Not getting that, just like not understanding about dwelling with God is killing the church. It is robbing us of the power of God. It makes Christianity feel fake and useless, and that's why there's so many people that really don't care about coming to church. Why bother? we got to get this. You have to understand that you have been uniquely wired and gifted by God for his purposes. I got two kids, close in age, raised by the same parents, in the same home, and they're different, right? They're different, and it's exciting. They have unique passions, unique gifts. One is good at one thing, one is bad as the other thing, and vice versa. They are drawn to different things. Maybe you've noticed that about yourself, right? Maybe you're like me and math comes really easy. I love math. I love reading math textbooks. 
I really can't stand school today in this new math that they're doing because it does not make sense. Okay, that, that's the only part of math I don't like. I really hate that they don't give us a textbook to take home too. I was told that they don't give you stuff to take home because they don't want your parents teaching you the wrong way about it. <laughs> I love math. I can't clap to the beat to save my life. I'm serious. Like, I can't clap and sing at the time. If I concentrate really hard, I can maybe clap to the beat. Sometimes I surprise my wife when I'm doing it. I can't dance. If I dance in front of you, oh, it's bad. I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's really bad. No rhythm. Read Psalm 139, though. It shows us that God is doing something spiritual in our longings, in our passions. And it has everything to do with the kingdom of God. God has made you passionate about things. Maybe it's unwed mothers. Maybe it's babies. Maybe it's homeless people. Maybe it's missions. It's made you passionate about those things, caring about those things. Go after them. Go after them. Use the gifts that God has given you. You are uniquely wired, uniquely placed for the glory of God. And you can't do this outside of dwelling with God. If you try to do that outside of dwelling in his presence, outside of being connected to him, you will get burnt out. You will fail. You may produce some fruit, but not the fruit that you can if you were connected to him. You can fake it for a while, but you can't fake the love of Jesus Christ flowing out of you. You know you're on track when you're able to love difficult people. You know you're on track when you're able to love your enemies because you see them as Christ sees them. These are two huge ideas, dwelling in dominion. And if you don't get them, then you're going to build your life on things that don't matter. Church is a waste of time. <laughs> don't bother going. But if you want to, you can know him. You can dwell him. And you can start the most exciting adventure of your life where he uses you. He uses the gifts that he gave you to build the kingdom. One day you're going to retire and not a lot of people are going to care. Do you want me to add anything to that? One day you're going to retire, they're going to hire a replacement. Younger, cheaper. I can't wait till Eddie retires. I get to hire someone younger and cheaper. <laughs> then that person's going to retire. And guess what? By that time, they won't even remember you. They won't even remember you. They might. We'll, we'll always remember Eddie. Look how many people don't know Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's playing basketball with some kids. Had to tell them to YouTube him so that they could learn about him. Just this week, I had to explain to my kids and their friends what a fax number was. Seriously? You don't know what a fax number is? This is reality, though. This is what Isaiah means when he says there's no remembrance of former things. Dwelling and dominion lead to dynasty, to eternity, to the eternal things. My friends, you've been called to the eternal things, to building the kingdom of God, an eternal kingdom. But all too often we focus on the temporary kingdom, our kingdoms. Dwelling in dominion secures our hope, though. When we are dwelling with God in his presence and doing what he's called us to do, then we're able to, to look nothing like the world around us. We're, we're countercultural, And that's when we really start pointing people to God, to the eternal, to the dynasty. A lot of Christians look like the world. They act like the world. What good is that? Are we salt 
Are we collectively called to be light as the body of Christ? How does that point to Christ if we just look like everyone else? It doesn't. We look different. Not to shame the world. That's what we like to do. We really just are like everybody, but we pretend we're not like everybody, and we like to shame everybody. No, we're called to look different. We're called to actually be different, not to look down on people, but to show the world another way, another path, to show them the eternal kingdom of God. Dwelling has to come first, then dominion, then dynasty. Dynasty, let me say something else about that. I know that people think heaven will be boring. How do I know that? Because that's what I thought for a long time. Why do people think that? It's because it's what our experience is in life, right? No matter what we get, that thing that we really long for, we talked about this, it starts off to be exciting, but then after a month it wears off and we're, we're ready for the next thing. Seems like heaven will probably be the same way. I mean, have you heard the, the song Amazing Grace? After we've been there 10,000 years, something, 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 we have no less days to sing his praise? Man, that sounds boring to me. Could you imagine singing for 10,000 years and there's no time off the clock? Imagine eternal life as this, though. Imagine it as ever-increasing joy. Can you fathom that? Imagine your joy always growing. Eternity is what God puts us puts on our hearts. It's that hole that he puts on our hearts and what we long for. Nothing else can satisfy it. What happens though when we get that, when that hole is plugged and we experience an ever-increasing joy? A joy that never diminishes. We can't even comprehend that. That's the eternity, that's the dynasty that you're invited into, that's sealed by the resurrection. If that's your future, what in the world can compete with that? I mean, really, what can stand up to that? What sorrow can fall on you today that on that day you won't even remember? It won't even matter. When you really get this, it changes your perspective on so many things. We still operate on this life being all there is. But this life will be over in a blink of an eye. And then eternity. The book of Isaiah prophesies, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Check this out. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. All the things that we think are amazing in this world, we won't even remember. They won't even come close to what we're experiencing in eternity. The resurrection secures eternity, seals it. My friends, I'm not interested in playing church. I'm not interested in fake Christianity. I'm not interested in pretending I'm perfect. I'm not interested in pretending I don't need the grace of God every day. I'm not interested in pretending I know God. Frankly, I'm tired of faking it. And if I had to guess, I would think that some of you are too. There's more. There's something much deeper. Can I invite you onto that journey?
Can I invite you on a journey to discover the God of the universe? To spend time with him? To get to know him? To get to know exactly why he created you? When you get that, life gets amazing. This is what we want to be about as a church. This is what we want to invite people to. This is what we want to come alongside people and testify to. So this is my invitation to be a part of that. Pastor, can I share something? Yeah. Fear, shame, ego, pride. Um guilt, remorse. It was like an anchor tied to me when the Holy Spirit was calling me to go make that altar call for many, many times. Mm -hmm. But until I was able to just say yes and run to that cross, I was, I was trapped. I mean, that, that bondage of sin will, will keep our butts right here. <laughs> and keep us from making that move. And that was my story, you know. I, I was going to church for a long time and just going through the motion. Yeah. But until I was able to pull that, to just get rid of that anchor that was holding me back. Yeah. You know? Amen. Amen. Yeah, exactly. There's so much more. There is. Where are you at? Are you tired? Is this Christianity thing just a waste? Is it just a joke to you? It can be real. It can be so real and so life-changing. Would you stand with me? My friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ secures all of this. That is why this is the greatest day for us. The greatest day for us as believers Today is a day we celebrate, we can know Him. We can dwell with Him. We also recognize, though, that we have a job to do as His body. We are called to something. We are called to share the good news with a world that does not know Him. We are called to share in the reconciliation of the world. What job could be better? There is none. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the resurrection. Lord, I pray that right now, people that have held on to whatever they're holding on to, whether it be their sin, whether it be their past, whether it be fear, Father, would you help them to just drop it and embrace you? Father, would you reveal to them that there is a God who loves them, who died for them, who paid the price for their sin so that they could be clean, so that they could be righteous, so that they could have their relationship with you restored. Father, let them confess their sins to you and give you their lives. Father, for those of us who don't know you, would you draw us closer? Would you help us to dwell and abide in you? For those of us who do know, who do know you, would you show us there is work to do? Would you show us, would you help us to recognize that? Would you call us, Lord, call us to something? Help us to build the kingdom. And Lord, when we look at what we're facing, would you remind us of eternity and how it pales in comparison? Lord, we love you and give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated real quick. Listen, if you don't know Christ, you need to come talk to me or grab somebody in here that knows Christ so that we can guide you in that process. 
If you don't have a church body, if you have a church body and it's not here, man, go to that. Love on it. Serve it, right? If you don't have a church body and you want to be a part of this, we have a saying that you're only here a visitor once, right? We'd love to walk with you on this journey. Come see me and, and talk to me about that too, all right? If you have anything you want to talk to me about, don't let pride, don't let fear, don't let anything get in the way of that, all right? All right, your kids, those of you who brought kids, we have an egg hunt after this, um, and I think we have a ton of eggs for those those kids that we have. So you might be here a while, all right? But stick around for that. Um, we'll dismiss your kids. You got to go get them, and then we'll show you what to do and, and where they're at, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. But um, happy Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Get out of here.